flapjacks and tits. You've tuned in to the Unbridled Enthusiasm Live podcast with your host, Mark Bulos. Recorded live every week from my basement. Hello, people. My name is Mark Poulos. Welcome back to the Unbridled Enthusiasm podcast. I am excited to do my third episode for you guys. Started to kind of try to figure out what I'd like to do for this one. Maybe expand it a little bit, talk about my life or personal stories or whatnot. But people are reacting to me covering these old movies. So I figure why... uh, why break what's not broken? I've been getting a lot of um, uh, advice on what movie I should do next. Um, they're definitely all in the hopper. Uh, but I decided to go with another movie that uh, me and my brother used to love to watch. And uh, I just went back and watched it last week. And uh, once again, surprisingly... It doesn't hold up. Uh, The film is The Last Starfighter. I don't know if anybody is uh, familiar with this film. I believe it was uh, released in... uh, Let's see here. It was released in 84, so another 80s movie. And uh, the plot line... uh, A completely feasible plot. Uh, Alex. uh, Alex Rogan, I believe his name is. um, Is a high school student. However, in the film, he looks like he's uh, like 40. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so Alex Rogan lives in a trailer park with his mom and younger brother. Uh, the trailer park court is called uh, Starlight Star Bright, uh, which I believe is uh, plays into the the storyline of him heading off to space. Um, so basically, like you know, he's in high school. He looks a lot older than he should be in high school, and you know, in his downtime, he plays this video game called Starfighter. And, uh, you know, he plays it so much, he actually becomes really good at it. And uh, what's funny to me is when I watch him play the video game, and then when they go into space and he starts, you know, shooting the Starfighter and stuff like that, the graphics on the video game are almost better than the special effects for when he's in space. Maybe that's just me, but it looks absolutely ridiculous when he's up in space and in this uh, spaceship. But... uh, So basically, he plays the video game so much that he becomes uh, a master at it. And early on in the film, uh, his little brother, I think, is watching him play the video game. And he's getting very close to beating the high score that's on the video game. So uh, almost like a telephone game, all the people in the trailer park court start, you know, Oh, Alex is going to break the record. He's going to break the record. And... uh, (laughs) So here he is in this uh, trailer park, uh, playing this video game, surrounded by almost a hundred people watching him play this video game. And uh, spoiler alert, but when he actually beats the record, 
the excitement of these people is really unwarranted, okay? I have never seen so many people in a trailer park excited over something so stupid. I mean, they are jumping and they are yelling and they're high-fiving and they're diving and screaming. I mean, it's almost like he just pulled a kid out of a well or something. All he did was, you know, shoot a couple spaceships on a TV screen and uh, I was just like, I don't know why that resonated with me so much. I'm just staring at it last week and I'm like, there is no reason for these people to be this excited over him beating a video game. I, I'm sorry. It's just ridiculous. And I would love to go back and, and interview some of those extras and be like, didn't you feel like an idiot jumping around and high-fiving just because this knob shot five more spaceships than whoever broke the had the record but of course we find out that the record was instituted uh by starfleet command or uh what the hell was the name of it uh the star star league command and so whoever beat the record you know then they so basically he beats the record everybody goes crazy it's just stupid and then within maybe 20 minutes of that uh, uh, a car shows up which suspiciously looks a lot like a DeLorean without wheels but I'm not calling anybody a thief or anything but uh, this is where we find Centuri and Centuri is uh, his guide or uh, you know helper into transferring from Earth into the Star League so you know he gets in the car and there's this like shadowy figure sitting next to him and uh, he goes, well, you know, don't be rude. Say hi to Beta. And then Beta shakes his hand and he gets a shock. And then this, like, shadowy figure gets out of the car. And then we find out that that was, like, some kind of weird morphing robot that is now going to take his place down on Earth. Which, you know, as we've seen from many of films, when you replace a human with a robot, there's there's absolutely nothing that could go wrong. I mean... That is perfect technology. So they shoot off into uh, the stars. And, of course, all the hijinks ensue of, you know, he's a, a human man. And now he's been called to uh, defend the galaxy. Apparently there's a, uh, a line that starts the game or they say a bunch. But he says it a bunch. And it's defend the frontier against the Kerr and the Kodan Armada. Whatever that shit means. <laughs> I mean, come on. And uh, we find out that our galaxy is surrounded by uh, a barrier of energy that needs to be defended by, uh, by the Star League and the Starfighters. So, of course... Uh, he gets his orientation, you know, and he uh, he finds out that he's the only human there. And then it's, you know, it's almost like the best of the best type of thing. It's like each person from each galaxy or each uh, genetic background or whatever is there. There's one dude that looks like a giant squid. And 
Of course, the hilarity of him stepping on one of his tentacles, uh, which probably ended up being one of his dicks. And uh, so he finds out what the whole spiel is that he's going to be a starfighter and he's got to protect protect the uh, barrier of energy but of course you know he's not the biggest fan of that he doesn't want to do it which I know I don't think anybody in their right mind would be excited about being ripped out of their home and then told that they're going to be a starfighter but of course he gets a little bit more shaken when he finds out the uh the Starfighter uh, motto, which is uh, victory or death, which for me, that seems a little excessive. I mean, can we have victory or not so much victory? Can we have that? Does it have to be death? But of course, he, uh, he fights against it and he wants to go home, so they take him home give him some time to think about it and uh in that time that he's kind of realizing that there's a robot at home taking his place and there's that whole freak out like oh my god there's a dude in here that looks like me but it's a robot and uh so they have their exchange and during their exchange uh what uh, centauri refers to as an interstellar hit beast shows up Zando Zand. He's a pretty, he's a badass. He's a badass. Zando Zand basically looks like a uh, a hamster that grew into a lizard, and uh, he looks great. He looks great. Special effects are uh, are amazing. Uh, so he takes to the roof and uh, starts trying to uh, kill the real Alex. And uh, Centauri screeches up and uh, saves him, you know, shoots this beast's arm off, which kills him, which is kind of surprising. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. No, it doesn't kill him. He shoots his arm off. I forgot. Very important plot point. He shoots his arm off and he falls off the roof. And then Centauri is trying to convince him that if he doesn't come with him and uh, and fight the... Uh, uh, what the heck? The Kerr. I think Kerr is the bad guy. And uh, his army is called the Kodan Armada. But Kerr is going to continue to send hit beasts, I'm sorry, interstellar hit beasts to come and kill him. So, uh, uh, yeah, they don't want to. Uh, they want him to come back so his family will be safe. So, uh so as he's having this argument with Alex, uh, this interstellar hit beast's arm is still kind of alive, apparently. So it lifts and blammo, he shoots Centauri. Actually, Centauri jumps in front of Alex to protect him and gets shot in the old Chesteroonie. So they hurry and get him in the car and they go and of course now it's all about revenge. You have killed my mentor, Centauri. And now it's about revenge. So he gets uh, mixed into the uh, the dealio. So he gets there and he finds his... Uh, so each uh, starfighter has a uh, navigator or a ship helmsman. So his ship helmsman is 
Grig. Uh, Grig, who looks a lot like Lou Gossett Jr. in that weird space movie with uh, Dennis Quaid. I can't remember what that movie was, but, I mean, he really looks a lot like that guy. Um, so he's, uh, you know, wisecracking dude named Grig, kind of telling him how it all goes down. And uh, so when he gets back, uh, he finds out that uh, while he was gone, Kerr and the Kodan Armada showed up and basically killed all the starfighters and navigators. So hence we get the title of the film, The Last Starfighter. So he is the last of their kind. So he finds out about that as he gets into his gunnery chair in the starfighter and uh greg gets into his chair and they're about to take off and he's like so how many are left and greg's like none we're the last so they uh they head off into space so basically they have one starfighter against the entire kodan armada so they uh so they get up there and he gets to uh, practice uh, shooting his gun and such um, oh I want to talk about this real quick I forgot there's a part uh, between uh, Alex coming back and Centauri getting killed where uh, Beta his robot uh, duplicate is having problems with his uh, I don't know if you even call them ears his listening holes on his robot head so he can't fix it, so he has to take the head off the body and put it on the desk to work on it. And his little brother wakes up and sees the head on the desk, and he's like, Alex, what the heck's going on here? And he's like, and the head on the desk is like, you're having a bad dream, just go back to bed. And so uh, <laughs> so he's working on the head on the desk, and uh, just one of those cringe moments in the, in the film uh the uh he's working on the head he's looking out the window and then he sees like a flash of light in a little spaceship and he kind of knows that uh that an interstellar hit beast is coming so he holds the head on the desk and slides it back and forth with his hands as if to say oh no that's yeah, one of the worst ones ever so uh so he gets in the gunnery chair and uh the screen pops up and it obviously looks exactly like the video game screen you know i started to think this is kind of an interesting idea for a film you know i wonder if they ever decided to redo it you know what what video game it would be that you know maybe it would be halo that would kind of be an interesting thing you know but i think the funniest part about it would be the kid that they find to send up and help out with the halo army <laughs> just this like you know giant fat guy that's eating cheetos and mountain dew and they show up and tell him you have now been recruited to be in the halo army and he just goes up there and shits his pants or something which would be interesting. So, 
they get up in the gunnery chair and he's he's taking target practice and whatever and uh, all the controls on the on the chair and the handles and everything are exactly the same as the video game uh, which makes sense but there's the one button the special button like the red button in the Willy Wonka's elevator what does this button do? And of course, that is the button to trigger the Death Blossom. And they don't really explain it. They just say, it could kill us all. So we don't really push that button unless it's absolutely necessary. And what could you imagine is going to happen minutes later? They're going to use the Death Blossom. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so... They uh, uh, they head out to uh, take on the whole Kodan Armada, and uh, he's doing a pretty good job. He's taking out quite a bit of the fighters, and uh, but then he gets into uh, backed into a corner, and he gets uh, he gets stuck. So he tells Grig, he's like, "Man, I think we got to trigger this Death Blossom." So Grig's like, "I don't know what's gonna happen, but." Push that button, Alex. So he hits the Death Blossom, and basically the uh, the ship just goes into a full-on like gyroscope spin, and just starts firing lasers out from every corner of it, and they shoot down all of the spaceships. Which begs the question: Why even bother? trying to go one-on-one with the starfighters or the codon armada why not just get into range and pretend like you're gonna surrender and then just you know set off the death blossom why wouldn't you but you know it's a movie so they gotta keep it uh, suspenseful gotta keep you engaged gotta keep you fired up so they kill uh, all of the Codon uh, Armadas. So now they're heading to uh, the mothership where uh, Kerr and Zor and all the other interstellar hit beasts and Knob Johnsons are hanging out. So uh, he actually uh, drains all the power by using the Death Blossom. So they decide that. Uh, Kerr and Zor decide instead of uh, blowing up the spaceship, they're just going to ram it with their giant spaceship, which is always a good idea. I always find in films when the bad guy has a chance to kill the good guy, why not just pull out a gun and kill him, you know? But no, they got to have this elaborate scheme. It's like Austin Powers, you know, the joke in Austin Powers that every time he's got him sewn up, he has to have this elaborate scheme to kill him. He can't just kill him. So basically, if he, uh, you know, fired a couple missiles, he would have took him right out. But no, he's got to fire up the uh, the spaceship and uh, ram into him. And we all know what's going to happen. By the time the spaceship gets there to ram him, they get all their power back and they're able to fly out of the way. And then they uh, fire a bunch of uh, specifically placed bullets that uh, take out their uh, their jets. 
So then uh, Zora and, uh, and Kerr start uh, falling into the, I think it's like the moon's uh, gravitational pull starts sucking them in. And uh, I'm just, <laughs> they're so optimistic at the end. Uh, Zora's second in command is like, oh, we've lost all power. We've lost the thrusters. We've lost our guns. What do we do, sir? What are we going to do? And he goes, What do we do? We die. Well, I got to tell you, if I'm on that spaceship and uh, I ask my commanding officer, What do we do now? And he says, We die. I'd probably have to punch him in the junk. Like, let's figure some stuff out here. We're not going to just... Thanks a lot, ass, ass cakes. So they die. And uh, Alex saves the day. So they head back to uh, ye old uh, Starlight Star Bright trailer park. And uh, of course, they have to land the gigantic spaceship like a block away from the trailer park to cause a, a bit of a ruckus with everybody there. And they come over, and he comes out in his spacesuit, and they're all cheering and high-fiving and whatnot. And uh, my favorite part of this scene is, obviously, he's come back for his uh, lady friend, his uh, his girlfriend, who, uh, I wonder who she was played by. I think it was Maggie Gordon? No, uh, Catherine Mary Stewart. Yeah. Ooh. Man, she's looking pretty good, so... Yowza. Oh, now I know who that girl was. Yeah, if you don't know the girl from Last Starfighter, her next big film, and the one that you probably know her from, is uh, Weekend at Bernie's. She plays the... Uh, she plays the girl that's interested in... Uh, uh, whatever the heck his name is. I can't remember the main dude. And I went back and looked at uh, the guy who played Alex, whose name is uh, Lance Guest, and to see if he went off and did anything else. Because at first I thought he was the guy from Gremlins, but that's a completely other guy. Uh, but Alex Rogan, it, it looks like the only other major film he did that you would probably know him by was... Uh, Jaws the Revenge and uh, he plays um, oh god what the heck's the guy's name the original Jaws main character uh, Brody he plays uh, Brody's adult son in Jaws the Revenge because yeah, in Jaws the shark has a vendetta and wants to kill the entire family not just the one guy. <laughs> that movie franchise really went off the rails when they started to believe that the shark had uh, uh, the ability to have vengeance against an entire family. But, uh, yeah, so Lance Guest. I mean, it looks like he had a really good career after uh, The Last Starfighter, but, I mean, the only... Yeah, the only real movie that he ever did after that was uh, Jaws the Revenge, 
which begs the question, uh, oh, I'm sorry, he also did a film right after that called The Wizard of Loneliness. And we all know how great that film did. <laughs> the Wizard of Loneliness. <laughs> I'm sorry. He did a bunch of other films in here. I mean, none of them where he was the lead character. Plan B, Mach 2, and uh, that looks like about it. But I, my, my, the next film I cover might have to be The Wizard of Loneliness. I've never seen this film, but uh, my God, I gotta click on this. I gotta figure out. I gotta see what the plot line of this stupid movie is. Wizard of Loneliness. Oh, where the heck is the plot line? Oh, well, that's good. The film was such a big hit. No one added a plot or a synopsis. All they have are taglines that say. Sometimes needing someone is the bravest thing you can do. PG-13. That's all they got. And uh, the poster for The Wizard of Loneliness looks amazing. It looks like they're standing under a bridge and fireworks are going off. I don't know. Anyways, let's get back to The Last Starfighter. I've only got a couple minutes here. Um, so he comes back home and uh, comes back to his lady and... Uh, basically wants her to come with him and uh she's like hesitant and obviously says yeah no i don't think so and i just uh <laughs> i just love there's no like drawn out goodbye at all when she's like ah, i don't think i want to go so he's like nah all right take care i'll see you later and uh so he heads back to the spaceship and of course uh uh greg there's always like a truncated timetable like we gotta go things are exploding and they just killed the entire codon armada so i doubt anything's going on but uh, so of course the last minute she uh she heads with them into the spaceship and uh they uh they fly off i don't know what it is uh i've gone back and watched a lot of these 80s movies I don't know what it is about uh, 80s movies and calling their shots. You know, like, we we are going to do... We are going to do uh, a sequel to this film. Because that was the, uh, the same thing with uh, Monster Squad and Hawk the Slayer. And even now with uh, The Last Starfighter, at the end, I mean, they make it seem like they've already written it and it's already in the can and uh, I mean there's uh, there's some stuff online about uh, how they wanted to do um, a remake of The Last Starfighter but make it a sequel kind of like Tron Legacy 25 years later but uh, yeah it has not been accomplished I mean, I think they could take the storyline and redo it in, you know, like I said earlier in, in a video game that's pretty popular now. I think that idea could be could be done. I mean, look how successful uh, Wreck-It Ralph was. I mean, if they came up with something like this for their franchise, it would be good. But uh, 
no, it doesn't. I was actually surprised to, you know, it's like you start looking at uh, what movies had sequels and stuff like that. I was really surprised to see that A Christmas Story had a sequel. I haven't even seen that. I wonder what that silly-ass movie is, is about. But, you know, Hollywood's gotten into this thing where, I don't know when it started, but it's like a movie will come out and it's successful and pretty much nobody involved with the film wants to even uh, attempt a sequel. And then somehow people get the rights to the movie or they buy a piece of the movie and then they just make some kind of shitty low-budget sequel and like release it to dvd i mean i can't imagine i can't even believe there's like five sequels from dust till dawn i'm like what i was like how did uh how did uh uh quentin tarantino even let that happen like i don't even know how this is possible but you know what can you do with a drunken sailor so well guys that is another uh, Unbridled Enthusiasm podcast in the can. I hope you guys uh, are enjoying these uh, these things I'm putting together. Uh, I think I'm just going to keep going down the same road and covering these silly movies, most of them from the 80s, because that's when uh, I was born and uh, or basically grew up and watched movies. So it uh, holds a special place in my heart. So... I can uh, take suggestions, and uh, I'm going to do a little research and try to figure out what will be next. But uh, from uh, from the Unbridled Enthusiasm podcast control center, this is Mark Poulos. Thanks again for tuning in, and uh, we will see you next time. Take care. <laughs> <laughs>